You're listening to episode 58 of the National Centre for Writing podcast. Every week we tell stories about writers and discuss writing techniques, and today we're talking about bookshops as well. It's 21st of August 2019 here at Dragon Hall in Norwich as we're recording today's episode. I'm Simon Jones, Digital Marketing Manager here at the Centre, and I'm joined by Communications Manager Steph McKenna. Hello, everyone. And Communications Assistant Rasheen Batty. Hello. Your podcast debut. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Very exciting. Yeah. So uh, we asked this of everyone when they make their first appearance in the podcast, which is, what have you been reading? I have been rereading Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. Oh, good choice. Yeah. As I hear, they are remaking it again. So, are they? Just, yeah. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, so that's interesting. So excited for that and wanted to refresh. Refresh your memory. I like a reread. It's hard to build in rereads into your reading routine. When there's so many reads. Yes. You just feel yeah. like, I always feel like I should be reading something new because yeah. there's, the pile is never ending. But I feel like when I was younger, I used to reread stuff. And we watch stuff and right. all the time. I'd obsess over a small number of things, but I feel like I had kind of infinite time. Where's all the time gone? <laughs> yeah, basically. someone's been stealing the time. They I think. have, but um, yeah, love a reread. So both of you were up in Edinburgh a couple of weekends ago. Yeah, we were. We went for uh, the first weekend of Edinburgh International Book Festival. We actually went for an event that we were running with Val McDermott as part of the International Literature Showcase, where uh, Val revealed her selection of 10 of the most compelling LGBTQI plus writers working in the UK today. We had that event at the National Library of Scotland, but that's quite a long way to go for just one hour uh, of an event. So we, we stuck around for a few more days and Peggy Hughes, our colleague, showed us the ropes of uh, what it's like to be in Edinburgh during the festival season. Yeah. yeah, it was my first time in Edinburgh as well, so it was nice to get a sense of the city, even among all the book festival madness. It's a bit of a baptism of fire, really, isn't it? You don't get you don't get the chance to enjoy the landmarks in quite the same way. But we did a mixture, didn't we, of kind of book festival bits and work, podcasting, and um, just sightseeing. Yeah. Despite it being the, the stormiest weekend <laughs> in the whole year. There was so much rain on the Sunday. We got absolutely soaked. We took shelter in the National, uh, was it the Portrait Gallery? We put the, the Scottish Portrait Gallery, National Portrait Gallery, um, because our socks were just mm. drenched, our toes were drenched, um, and found loads of portraits of Scottish writers as well. So it felt like, yeah, felt like reading and books and writing was following us everywhere. I saw a nice, nice painting of Denise Minor. And, yeah. And Val McDermott. Val McDermott. And God, there were so many, actually. There was Ian Rankin in the cafe. Yeah, it was like a who's who of uh, Scottish writers. This is probably why it was the world's first city of literature. It makes sense. Makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, which we get to a bit in the interviews today. So while you were there, you checked out some of the local bookshops and had a chat with the people that work there. So we were even lucky enough to meet a special dog called Artemis. Oh, yes, yeah. In the second interview, uh, there's quite a bit of snuffling in the background, which isn't myself or Rasheen. Uh, it is, in fact, Artemis the dog. So there are a couple of times where Artemis seemed to really want to get involved in the podcasting interview because um, we were doing it in the shop whilst everyone was looking around and it was open. Um, so you might hear me trying to tempt Artemis in a way in the background. We have a bit of a history of when, whenever we do a podcast in a bookshop, 
a dog seems to appear. I think it's, yeah, I think it's the way it has to be. Bookshops and dogs go hand in hand, I mm. think, and maybe cats as well. Cats and pubs, I feel. You get resident cats in pubs, you get you get lots of dogs in bookshops. So. Yeah. We don't have so much excuse to do podcasts and pubs. I know, I know. We need to find a crossover. We need a good pub-bookshop crossover, so that could be our next mission. Uh, if anyone knows of one, let us know. Yeah, so the two the two bookshops were Lighthouse and Golden Hair. Yes, two independent bookshops in Edinburgh um, that neither of us had been to actually. So that was really nice, and we went along. We met the owners and managers, and uh, some of the staff had a browse and uh, had a chat with them about what it's like to be an independent bookseller in Edinburgh. All the fun bits and pieces that they get up to. Excellent. And while we're on the subject of, of bookshops, I just wanted to mention a new one that has opened. Here in Norwich, as oh well, yeah, of course. Which is book bugs and dragon tales. Yes, not bed bugs and dragon no, tales. Book bugs <laughs> and dragon tales. Like it got wrong, yeah. Yes, which is uh, it's a children's bookshop uh, just opened. It's got a nice cafe in it. It's very much kind of creates this sense of adventure as you walk in. Mm. It's perfect for getting young people very excited about books. So we're hoping to continue our little mini series of bookshop related interviews and hopefully get them on the podcast soon yeah so to start off we have you steph talking with julie danskin from the golden hair so i'm here with julie danskin who's the manager of golden hair books so thank you very much for spending some time talking to us hello it's an absolute pleasure thanks for having me yeah fantastic um so firstly uh, this is my first time to golden hair and it is <laughs> fantastic it's gorgeous it looks amazing and I'm really looking forward to browsing around having a look at your titles um could you tell us a little bit about Golden Hair and its history yeah sure so Golden Hair Books was first set up in the grass market area of town mm. in 2012 by Mark Jones who was the director of the V&A so his background oh, was okay. museum curation and he always has just really loved books and book design in particular mm. which explains why there's a lot of room for books like we, we really kind of want to encourage people to judge books by covers yes that's your first point and of you, contact you with can't book. help that can you no, I always of course. say it people do yeah. it and mm. so people always apologize for it whereas actually I mean obviously don't judge books just by its cover I think is what we say but mm. let it be the first thing that draws your eye because often it's something that really kind of tells you about the book yeah um, is the it, you you find yourself drawn to books that you yeah. just wouldn't have expected yeah exactly so we were on the grass market for I think three years and then we moved down to Stockbridge in mm. 2015 which has just been great for us there's a lovely community here mm. with lots of families and young people and mm. um, we get the students down on the weekends and things it's lovely. a really nice kind of mix of clientele and we mm. just love doing things here we do lots of events as well mm. as we've got our own subscription boxes now so it's so a really we've really made our home here yeah <laughs> it's fantastic and how long have you worked here as the manager be three months in september oh wow so <laughs> no three years sorry three i was gonna say three years yeah three years in september, september. amazing and it feels what, like three months oh well there you go it's flown by <laughs> does it feel like forever and sort of no little time at all yeah it is weird um I mean, I just feel like I'm in my dream job still, yeah. oh. and it's just been amazing. Like, we've got to make lots of changes. Mm. Uh, we have complete freedom around what we buy in and what we do with the shop, and it's just really refreshing, and mm. there's always something to do. Like, the bookshop will never be finished, but that's mm. what I like about it. Yeah. There's always something to stop you getting bored. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's like, you know, you can see people coming in, like, we're in the bookshop just now, and there's people sort of coming in and having chats and stuff, and... It just kind of feels it's like welcoming exactly people. Want, yeah, it? it's yeah. like a nice big living room. <laughs> it is. It's like a community spot. And yeah. what's your? I mean, I'm sure you've got many favourites, but do you, what's your favourite thing about your job? 
Do you have? Oh, that's really hard. I know. <laughs> Sorry, I think, something. I think seeing like kids excited about books is my favourite. You know, when a kid has a book token, like I'm sure you can remember mm, that feeling as well. Of, absolutely. Of getting to go in and choose your own book. And I, I think, think even now I've still got that. <laughs> yeah, if someone totally. buys me a book voucher, <laughs> me I'm too. like, yes. me too. I mean, I work full time in a bookshop, but I still get that as still well. Like, it. I get a buy new book. Yeah. Um, so I think seeing that excitement around a child um, connecting with a book and picking it themselves mm. and um, and then them wanting to come back into the shop that's definitely mm. the most rewarding thing but I love everything about it I love getting to know our regulars I love doing events with mm. ex- like some authors that I've always wanted to meet like I got to um, got to interview like, one of my heroes A.M. Holmes last wow. year and like how many people can say that they yeah. get to do that was that here in the shop? Was yeah that, that was in the shop yeah. yeah we crammed about 50 people in here <laughs> it was great that's such a nice space um, to do it though isn't it? it's so nice that you can do events here so you recently won Independent Bookshop of the Year. Oh yeah, if you must bring which it is up, just, yeah, yeah, no biggie, no biggie. Congratulations. Um, what does this mean to you, and how have I mean? I don't, were you in book selling sort of before you became a manager here? Yeah, I've been in book selling in some form for I guess mm. about ten years. My first job mm. in books was when I was a student at Dundee, mm. and I was an intern at the small press there, um, and then ended up getting involved in some of the events running. So I did like quite a lot of book stalls with. John Byrne and Nick mm. Cave and things so that was my oh, first my field. I know okay. it was a quite a like a sort of like initiation by fire yeah, but I just amazing. kind of really got a buzz out of it um so yeah I worked at an independent bookshop um called Looking Glass Books for a while and then um Waterstones mm. for about a year and then I got this job here so yeah I've been in bookseller for a while yeah, yeah. I love it amazing <laughs> and how uh, how has independent bookselling kind of changed since you've been kind of here over the years have you have you seen much of a change I've, I always get this sense that people are really you know wanting to support independent businesses now and it feels like that's really flourishing and people got you know tote bags yeah you know. definitely I think it's something that's happening in people's shopping mm. anyway it's happening in how they um, eat it's happening that what mm. they do in terms of taking home a, whether it's a book or a record or a new thing on your mantelpiece something about your personality and I think it's a response to the uncertain times mm. that we're facing people can come in here to escape or equip themselves I think yeah. Um, absolutely yeah, yeah, there's so a bit of both isn't yeah it? I like to think of it as kind of one of either way and mm. you know different moods I mean I, I think like if you're in a good mood it's nice to come to a bookshop if you're in a bad mood it can often cheer you up yeah. so um, it's a safe space I like to think of it as um, and I think yeah the independent bookshop scene in Edinburgh is amazing and it's mm. growing as well um well, that's just... always lovely to hear especially at a time when you feel like everything's shrinking and everyone's saying <laughs> oh this is you know yeah. nothing's working anymore this is falling apart it's lovely exactly. to hear that it feels like that kind of scene is growing yeah we feel like we're doing well and with the businesses growing and we're you know I mean it could always obviously be busier we're mm. like in, in some certain times and we don't know what's happening with certain terrible things in the mm. world but I think all we can do is just keep going and being this place for people to come and enjoy themselves and, mm. and treat themselves as well and how do you, I mean, the, the bookshelves here feel, they feel sort of similar to the book hive that we had, had back in Norwich, our independent bookshop. I've always wanted to um, go there. I will make it one it's day. It's gorgeous. It yes, looks you amazing. definitely pop along for a cup of tea. It's lovely. But it's it's similar in terms of sort of the way that it's curated, mm, with the, the, that, front, yeah. the front-facing books. And how do you go, how have you gone about kind of curating and segmenting your bookshop yeah it's a constant sort of change I think the the booksellers here what we often do is just we sort of um are always like facing out our favorite ones mm. and things there's like a sort of slight kind of war of like yeah. this is the nicest one yeah um this looks nice and this is my favorite but I mean I pointed out to you as we came in that there's just like a shelf that felt like a just a, a curated shelf for me like a, a bunch of books that would I've I either love or I've been wanting to read for a very yeah. long time so it feels like it speaks to me already yeah although we are a small bookshop and we 
there's only so many books that we can fit in. Like the way that the bookshop is just now is probably at its fullest point, but we um, it doesn't get much fuller than this. But the, the fact that we only have 2,000 titles at any one time means that we know most of what we have. Yeah. So if someone comes in and they say, oh, do you have this book? Then, you know, you usually know I can say, yeah, can... oh, no, I sold that yesterday yeah. and things. Like we only tend to have one copy of stuff, but we can get things in quite quickly. So, yeah. um, and if a book comes up, and often customers recommend books to us as well that mm. we should have in. And so it, it goes both ways. It's quite a sort of natural relationship. But that's mm. how community works, isn't mm. it? And we always try and make sure that our, our shelves are stocked with um, a really good representation of writers. I'm really passionate about translated fiction, mm. as are my fellow booksellers. It's fantastic good to um, for us as well. Yeah, yeah, really important, especially in children's books, I think, that we have lots yeah. of um, people of colour represented in, in books, as well as um, picture books by women, and it's, it's, it's something that's really close to our heart and something mm. that we... And unfortunately, you have to work quite hard to curate yeah. that, but hopefully that imagine. won't always be the case. But that is something that we are seeing changing. Um, and small presses as well. Mm. Um, we love small publishers. And um, I've actually done a couple of tours of going to like meet some like down south and things. Oh, it's I think independent publishers and independent bookshops are like natural bedfellows. Yeah, yeah. Um, not in a literal sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. condone that. I mean, but, I mean, the people can do what they like. But, um, I think that we are dependent on each other I yeah. think um, in quite a major way yeah it must um, make a huge difference to yeah small presses to have their books here yeah I think um, so um, but we build up really nice relationships with them and um, when I went down to see to Sheffield um, I ended up staying with Stefan and Tara who mm. run and other stories mm. and now we're really good friends and we, now we do lots of events it's with them so and it's, it? it's a case of supporting each other as well as actually sort of creating these genuine relationships that yeah. that mean something and I think that's the thing about running an, an independent shop is is really sort of joyful and um, it's, it's you know you have your hard days and when you have a quiet day it's a little bit sort of you go oh my goodness is this it mm. and um, but then the next day is fine and it's mm. just we're all really supportive of each other as well um, I know I've got a few booksellers I can phone if I'm uh, just having like a, a little bit of a moment like oh yeah. it was a really quiet day you today need some, you need like, someone else to say it will be okay <laughs> yeah been exactly through it. Yeah. yeah for sure yeah what a lovely feeling oh, that's, that's nice. brilliant yeah um <laughs> I wanted to ask you about your podcast because uh-huh. obviously we have a podcast yeah. and it's nice to come across uh, yeah, someone else, another arts kind of organisation running a podcast. So it's called Bibliophile. Yeah. Um, right. Tell us a bit about it. How long has it been going and Ooh, what's been so far? And... Yeah, it's been really kind of starts and stops. We're getting now into the phase of doing it once a month, but I think because we fit it in around all the other it's things. It's hard work. Yeah, it's, it is hard work. Um, and especially because the, the three of us are quite prone to just mm-hmm. kind of laughing and being silly yeah. there's quite a lot of editing to yes. do as well. I think uh, I think Simon uh, my colleague would agree that uh, if we try and record an intro on a Friday afternoon it just turns into complete mess yeah. Uh, it's, um, yeah it's hard work so we tend to do it in the bookshop um, and it kind of depends we've, we've got a pub downstairs so sometimes oh, wow. if it's sort of a little bit rowdy then that picks up on the mic so yeah. it means that we have to sort of do it another night so mm. there's quite a few things um, and sometimes we're just absolutely knackered after mm. a long day. So it's myself and my colleagues, David and the assistant manager, Jonathan, who mm. do it. And we it's, it's mostly recommendations, mm. but we also talk about um, issues in the book world, I suppose. So we've talked about um, whether you should judge a book by its cover. Mm. Most recently, we talked about the Booker long list mm-hmm. this year. Um, I kept saying man booker and then forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's really fun. It's quite informal, mm. um, but people seem to really like it. And yeah. the weirdest thing is when people come into the shop and they're like, oh, I recognise your I've voice. Listened to, yeah, I've listened to you and it's like they've had a, 
I've had before where people say, um, like, oh, I feel like I've, I was having a, you know, I could have been having a conversation with you in my room right. or in my car, but yeah. I couldn't answer you. Like, yeah. it's a... But those are the podcasts I enjoy. Like, I don't like really Same. sort of structured ones. I quite like a good chat. Mm, so, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'll definitely get everyone to subscribe and uh, tune in because I don't know if there are there many podcasts based in bookshops. I don't know if I've come across any others. Um, I don't know if there's any. I know there's a couple. I think Mr. B's do a podcast, mm. but I think they do. Like, there's quite a lot yeah. of um, author interviews, which is a yeah. really cool thing to do as well. Mm. But I don't know that many that are based in bookshops that are sort of more about um, recommendations, which is yeah. kind of why we wanted to do it. But it's really good fun, and I'd recommend to other bookshops that they try it. It's a really, yeah. And I know quite a lot of, like, Edinburgh Bookshop has a YouTube channel and that kind mm. of thing. So I think that's the thing about indies, is that we all do what interests us. Yeah. And some things work, yeah. and it's great, and we keep doing them and then other things there's a bit of trial and error totally you can see how things go and totally it's really nice to have that freedom isn't it yeah it really is yeah excellent well just a couple more questions um so i'm right in saying edinburgh was the world's first unesco city of literature i think that's right it was yeah we like to point out that norwich was england's first but uh (laughs) but edinburgh was the world's first which is amazing um do you have any favorite literary facts about the city is there anything you're (laughs) you I don't know you especially like about the city like people ask you know why is Edinburgh UNESCO city of literature is there anything in particular you like to bring up Mm, I think just from the I think it's a UNESCO city of literature because of its history Mm. um but I think it's also deserves to be just in terms of the writing community Mm. and the community of writers that are around just now which is so supportive Mm. and often one writer will be in the bookshop and then someone else will come in and they know each other Mm. like that's my favorite kind of thing but I guess any story about Mural Spark is my favorite like I can imagine imagine. Um, and I'm so glad that they they started the the on Brunsfield Links, there's now the Muriel Spark walkway, which I think oh, is a really excellent. lovely memorial to her. Yeah. Um, because she is so, I think, instills like a real kind of Edinburgh character. Mm. But there's so many places you walk past in Edinburgh. Um, like just up the road, there's the Robert Louis Stevenson house, which is just a house, but they also host events yeah. and that kind of thing. And um, I think it's just so messed, like, it's kind of like, inextricably linked to the rest of the city I think it feels very we were saying earlier it feels very very embedded when we yeah. even just had taxi rides this morning yeah. we had a, a ride in the taxi and the taxi driver was kind of pointing things out to us and saying you should go to this pub because the, the Ian Rankin's detective drinks in that pub and he was really sort of oh, that proud of it yeah, yeah that's was, and we'd pub. actually coincidentally been there last night and I didn't realise I love the, that bar that, that yeah. was the location but um, there was a real sense of pride like it was you know it was really shared knowledge yes totally um, and that's really really lovely Mm. actually really lovely um so one final question which um ties back to your podcast actually um are there any books that you've read recently that you'd love to recommend I really loved um and I think it's a great one for this time of year when people are going on holiday Mm. is um the Pisces by Melissa Broder yeah have you read it no it's on my to read list actually it's just delightfully bonkers Mm. and it just I had a moment where I just needed something to read for a couple of hours and I just completely devoured the whole thing mm. so that seems to be the book that I'm recommending yeah. most to people who are about to go on holiday fantastic that's um, a holiday read is that got a fish on the front it does have a fish on the front yeah there's many we were <laughs> discussing how many sort of fish and mermaid themed books there were at the sort of at the present time but yeah I can remember by the increase. yeah, yeah for sure. remember by the book cover again it's remembering <laughs> yeah it's like when I, I used to work in blockbuster and I can still remember <laughs> films based on their 
covers are yeah. based on the DVD cover. If someone says a film, I remember the DVD cover, and I'm starting to do it with books a lot more now as well. But, um, I don't think that's a bad thing. I no. think it's nice to have a visual in your head. It yeah, is lovely. That's good. Cool. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for chatting to us. Um, do you have social channels? You're on Instagram, you're on We do. We, are, and... we love Instagram. We're on Golden Hair Books on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, so, yeah, please do hit us up. And yes. It's been lovely to be chatting to you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. So the other bookshop was Lighthouse, and I was wondering how it differed from the Golden Hair in terms of look and feel and how they went about doing what they do and finding the books they sell. Yeah, I mean, they're both amazing bookshops and they work quite closely together, as you'll kind of hear from our chats uh, with them. But I think Golden Hair, I was really struck by how um, curated it was, which is something that Julie touched upon. Um, it's it's a gorgeous bookshop. It's beautifully painted, beautifully presented. Um, a lot of the books are front facing, so you get to have a look at the book covers. You see the book covers first, um, rather than you know the spines, and you do get the sense that um, it is a bookshop that isn't stuffed full of books. It's carefully curated. They've selected the books to go into that shop, and it doesn't mean that they won't take you know orders and recommendations. But um, yeah, it had that sense of being sort of very lovingly crafted I guess but Lighthouse was a bit different wasn't it yeah for sure it was crafted based on readership I'd say so uh, different sections like LGBTQI BAME um, there was a small children's section yeah, there was there was a section on Toni Morrison they had a little tribute up didn't they yeah there um, was a, a lot of old and new so let's move on to our second bookshop visit with Myrie Oliver bookseller at Lighthouse Books what does it mean to you to be a radical bookshop? Um, we go back and forth on this so much. Mm-hmm. So we take we take radical um, in sort of the Angela Davis sense of the word, um, in the sense of sort of going back to the root. Um, and so for us, it is about um, being a physical space for the expression of the great variety of voices that we need to be able to build a better world and be the better world. So I think that that is about, um, for us, it's about finding own voice narratives on a lot Mm. of things. Um, It's about having space for discussion that you wouldn't normally see in a bookshop. So having shelves on disability politics, um, having um, a lot of... um, writers of colour but we're in Britain and making sure that that's representative of British writers of colour and not just importing from the US um, or from um, or from Africa but then having those voices represented in our history section that it's not just all like here is a white Eurocentric Mm. history of the world but if we don't know what's happening in other parts of the world then we're we're um, we're missing something yeah so for us it's it's about giving a physical space to that. So we have a lot of LGBT books um, and um, yeah. Yeah. And then it's in the events. It's then programming stuff that is about taking action. So you read the books um, and you buy the books and they're your armor and they're your safe space and they are your weapons. The things that allow you to then go into a pub debate and be like, (laughs) I call bullshit on this. That is not what feminism is X, Y, Z. Um, and then the events are about then connecting people with community and being like there are people doing the work it's not just about unhappily grumbling about um, 
the politics of today. You can do yeah. something about it. So we run a lot of events that yeah. are with different speakers that empower people with that knowledge, but it, it gives them a physical space to like meet yeah. other humans who are doing this stuff. So moving on to the events, uh, you run a year-round calendar of events, including the Book Fringe yep. and the Radical Book Fair. Yep. So what distinguishes them from each other and what do you think makes for a truly memorable literary event? So so the Book Fringe, um, the Book Fringe and the Radical Book Fair both existed in some way as word power creation. So Elaine yeah. invented them. They are not fruits of my imagination. Um, but then we've kind of built on that. So um, Book Fringe, we now run in partnership with Golden Hair. Um, and it's about celebrating the indie bookshop scene um, and our very distinctive flavours at yeah. a time when the city is buzzing with humans for the festival and to have a festival that is totally accessible because it's free but also it's accessible in that way that um, people who might not think of going to a book festival um, but know their local bookshop and yeah. know their local booksellers will come and see an author in this setting where a bigger thing might be slightly more intimidating. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, so the Book Fringe is that space and it's about sort of the Edinburgh bookshop scene and this indie scene that's year round. So it's a compliment to the Edinburgh International Book Festival and the amazing stuff that they put on. Um, And then the Radical Book Fair in November is our chance to, um, uh, to do a book festival that really has our stamp on it. So we have like a, um, a big fair, which is actually just tables covered in books and we organize it by publishers. It gives a chance for people to see, um, the independent and the radical presses like Verso and Pluto yeah. and Zed and Saki and B and see the great variety that these radical presses are producing and um, discover publishers that they can be like oh they're you know if I see their spine on a bookshelf then I know that they're lefty leaning I know that they're mm. um, politically rigorous um, yeah. and I can trust that and in a world mm. of fake news mm. finding those outlets I think is really important so we have that and then in the same room as the flea market we have speakers um and so this year we've got um we're opening the fair with two events one on building peace in 2019 with peace activists and then the next one is Scotland One Nation Many Histories with Leslie Riddick and Sir Jeff Palmer and Lisa Williams and Sarah Sheridan um, and Andrew Barr and it's one of those ones where um, it's an opportunity for us to really wear our politics on our sleeve but mm. to sort of be like right let's have important conversations yeah. let's talk about the things we're not talking about um, yeah and I think that those are for me a really great literary event um, is one that is accessible to anyone who would want to be there um i think you know uh books they're not for everyone but they should be for anyone yes um and so uh having a physical space that's accessible um having reached the audience that you actually want to get in the room um and that's the audience that is also reflective of the author so they can have an amazing time and they can see an audience that is responding to what they're writing yeah. and that magic that happens when everyone in the room is just like yes yeah this um <laughs> kind of goes back to what you were saying about the community feel yeah. of or your ethos of community 
Um, so have there been any events that have stuck in your mind as particularly important to you that you think are kind of groundbreaking or just important to the journey of the shop? When we were very, um, when we were only about four months old, we did the first book fringe. Um, and that was like as a festival really important because it gave us a chance to one start collaborating with golden hair and figure out like that idea of bookshop solidarity which has yeah. been really important over the last two years of of that there's a scene in edinburgh around books that's so vital and vibrant um and it doesn't need to be hyper competitive obviously yeah. we are businesses and we need to make ends meet but it's there are so, so there's so much common ground so that kind of shaped things and then Renieda Lodge came to that first book fringe and Gary Young and we just couldn't believe how supportive publishers were in trusting us with these authors and that kind of then allowed us you know once Rennie came to book fringe we were able to convince a publisher to send Shami Chakrabarty and Michael Rosen to our first radical book fair and like that kind of sets the tone of like you know yeah we're a tiny tiny we're a little bookshop in the south side of Edinburgh who is political and has a, a niche if, if you if yeah, you would. Yeah. Um but we we wanna we wanna be playing on the on the big field. We wanna be able to showcase the small independently published writers doing important things and the big names who have maybe ideas that they don't get to explore so much in yes. other settings. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah I think that shaped us in the early days. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So spoke about um, being a fairly small bookshop, but you've got a writer in residence. We do. Up. Yeah. So <laughs> why did you want to start the residency program? And could you tell us a bit about Eris Young? Yeah. The writer in residence. <laughs> um, so we have a, a writer in residence because Eris came and asked. Oh. Um, and Eris is an Edinburgh-based um, queer trans writer who um, writes a lot of sci-fi and non-fiction mm -hmm. and um, they work at Blackwell's around the corner um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it was one of those ones of just there had been conversations in lots of bookshops and I think in the bookshop scene about writers and residents and in other cultural spaces and so Eris literally came in one day and was like yeah. I want to do this and it was like all right what yeah. would that be uh so it gave us a chance to sort of create that position from scratch around so, what they do yeah so what sort of um opportunities have you been able to devise together for them yeah so um there are a few things Eris runs um so Eris can did um a six week six weeks no it was a month um writing workshop series um and so that was sunday evenings and they were doing um science fiction writing sort of an introductory um world building crafting yeah. exercise for writers who who was sort of started on their journey not right at the beginning yeah. um and um 
so Eris, we provided the physical space to be able to do that and a ticketing structure and that legitimacy of saying like we believe this writer is qualified to teach you these things yeah. come and be part of this space um, and they're very early on in their career in that respect and so getting maybe a writer's centre to be like what experience do you have yeah. it's like well now they have that on their cv and they have that to be able to be like i have run it and here was the feedback we got from participants yeah. um so a big part of it was um giving eris space to explore some of the things that are kind of required of the modern day writer um you know to be able to chair an event so eris pulled together four three different events um with writers that they wanted to have conversations with yeah um and then invited those poets and those writers um and then had in conversations so uh they did one with um camilla gradova and um helen mcclory before they're they're do, they're doing a novel uh, together as a collaboration it's not published yet and so it's not the kind of thing we would do as a bookshop because we don't have yeah. a book to sell but Eris could have a conversation about the creative process and yeah. how you write these things and how maybe you approach fiction in a different way. Yeah. Um, so it's also a chance for them to meet authors yeah. and chair panels. And so we'll enable that, which is great for us because then we have a far more qualified, interested chairperson for something. So Eris yeah. writes sci-fi and they interviewed Rawan Yagi, who's in the sci-fi uh, Palestine Plus 100 collection oh, for Comma. Yeah, yeah, and it was brilliant. such a brilliant pairing because they could both be excited and talk about sci-fi in a way that um, I couldn't. I, yeah. you know, um, Although Jim on the team knows his stuff on, on sci-fi. Um, but um, but it, it gave it a different flavour having another writer mm. interview them about their craft and allow them to talk about that so so it's an it's an evolving thing mm -hmm. it's kind of what eris wants it to be and then we'll find a space for it yeah and then when we want to invite an author that we think is a perfect pair for them then it gives us a chance to be like we have a writer in residence who really knows their stuff please yeah. send us your author and they will have this great interview with someone who's qualified to do it and so that's helped us yeah. so it's kind of yeah so is it something you think you'd do again for more writers yeah um, we haven't put a, an end date on Eris being writer in residence, yeah. so you might come back in five years, <laughs> and Eris will be some celebrity author that we are still claiming <laughs> as our writer in residence. Yeah. Um, but um, I think it would have to be the right writer. Yeah. Um, and you know we're a weird space um, for for a lot of people. Um, uh, yeah, and so I think that we have a really high um ethical benchmark yeah. which i think not all authors are comfortable with um and i and in terms of saying that we um we won't host certain writers because we're a platform and yes. our platform should echo our values and i think that um that can be restrictive on some people um so i think if you're especially because the writer in residence has a role as a host. Um, uh, yeah, Eris just echoes and chimes and represents so much of what yeah. we believe in as a shop, as a writer, in what they're writing, uh, in the small presses that they support. Yeah. Um, so, 
Yeah, it would depend on on the writer, but but um, in a lot of ways, yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be great. It's been such a rewarding experience. So yeah, hopefully, (laughs) if they ask, um, if they ask, yeah, yeah. it's it's that. I don't know. Um, I think writers have yeah, there's that space if they want to do it, and then get in touch. Yeah, they can create these opportunities for themselves. We never would have done it if Iris hadn't asked us. Um, And I think it's worked really well for both of us. And they've made some money from it because any of the events they organise, all the profits go to them. Do you think that's something generally in the industry that writers are having to do more of now? Kind of go out and get it for themselves. Definitely. Yeah definitely um and I have mixed feelings about it I think if it's your bag and I think if you're good at self-promotion and you're either outgoing or able to put on that hat um yeah then it's great that you can find these opportunities that publishers never you know had on offer um I have a degree of cynicism in the sense that I think that um a huge amount more pressure is put on some writers to find an audience that, you know, those who've already made it um, and I don't have to do um, or other... Yeah, I I find we get approached by a lot of poets and a lot of writers of colour who want to come and do events in Scotland and their publishers have not come to us. Um, And um, they have come to us with other options and other events. Right. And so I think that, um, I think like in any other industry, we suffer from, you know, institutional sexism and racism. Mm-hmm. That means that um, if there's an anthology, edit, you know, edited by a man and a woman, you get off with the man first. And I yeah. think that um, yeah. if you're a woman, especially a woman of colour in the industry, if you are disabled, uh, then you yeah. have to do a hell of a lot more work just to be able to get your book out there because I do think that that interface of an author in a room with an audience even if you're awkward even if you're you know is so important in allowing people that little glimpse into what you're writing yeah um I've heard an amazing thing recently from um a tiny little lesbian owned poetry press called Arachne um who um got some funding to publish some of their books and they put it all into training their authors in wow. uh, public speaking, um, how to pitch themselves, how to do an elevator pitch, um, connecting with their book and being able to yeah. market it. And they it's they brilliant. gave, they empower their authors to be able to do something that as a small press, they weren't going to be able to do quite as much. So it's like, if you can be, you are your best advocate, here will give you the tools to actually, because it's not natural for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw it firsthand with the poet Jeremy Dixon here. He was amazing. Um, he he wasn't a natural self-promoter, but he'd had yeah. this training. And so he knew how to sort of jump into a conversation and be like, oh, I've written some gay poetry. Yeah. Here's my book. Let me yeah. tell you about it. Um, so yeah, I think, I think writers have... Yeah, what a job. I I don't envy it (laughs) of them now. Oh, okay. So are there any books you've read recently that you'd like to recommend? Bernadine Everisto's Girl, Woman, Other. What a book. She was uh, one of our international literature showcase um, top women writers in the UK. Selected by Elif Shabbat. So we're big fans. Yeah. I mean, Elif Shafak's extraordinary as well. Yeah. And everything she writes is... But, I mean, that book just... 
boom. I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of, it's been really hard to read after finishing it. I keep just going back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, I want to live with you characters just a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, what an extraordinary book. Um, and I shouldn't have favorites um, for the booker, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Jeanette Winterson's Frankenstein is incredibly clever and incredibly well done. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, and, uh, oh, I'm reading the new Nell Zinc right now, which is really good. Um, very acerbic. It's everything that her other books have been. Um, just her characters are they're such shits. <laughs> um, and you're like, yes, the world is full of these people who are just, you know, misanthropic. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, yeah, that's what I'm reading at the moment, I think. And then I'm reading all the books for Book Fringe, and they are all excellent. Yeah. Um, History of Polari, Mia Violets, Yes, You're yes. a Trans Enough. Um, but yeah, those are the ones I've been reading for pleasure. Brilliant. Um, so just to round everything off, let's just focus back on Edinburgh again as the world's first UNESCO city of literature. Have you got any literary facts about the city? And if you do, what are your favourites? Um, little note. So one of my favourite discoveries um, was um, rediscovering Lavender Menace, uh, which was uh, Scotland's first LGBT bookshop. Uh, which opened in Edinburgh in the 80s. And then it ran for um, over 20 years because it was Lavender Menace and then it became Western Wild. Um, and uh, Bob and Sigrid still live in Edinburgh and they're in their 70s. Wow. And um, they're kind of, they're doing a sort of pop-up revival of the bookshop. Oh, amazing. Um, and so they'll just sort of, show up with their boxes of queer books and their incredible Brilliant. senses of humour and uh, relive bits of history at like random like the poetry pamphlet fair at the Scottish Poetry Library and so they don't have a physical space but they're it's just amazing to me that um you know now we have Category as Books which is an LGBT bookshop in Glasgow who are just doing phenomenal things um for the queer scene um but also for all of us like like whether you're queer or not you benefit from queer culture yeah. the more you expose yourself to it the happier you will be as a human <laughs> i think it's a good philosophy in life but to me it's amazing that like gays the word open in london and scotland's kind of considered sort of so far north and so sort of removed from especially a political literary culture mm. um and it's like that open and it thrived um and they were one of the first places to do a book event for Jeanette Winterson. Wow. And they were like right there at the beginning of Amistad Mopa's career doing book events for him. And so it's sort of like they might not still be here, but like they they seeded something um, with uh, Lavender Menace and a woman's own was um, which was it's about woman and then zone Z-O-N-E. Oh. Um, which was a feminist bookshop in Edinburgh um, in the 80s. And I think their legacies kind of live in the, the bookshop culture that we have now, long before the City of Literature. There was yeah. The City of Literature. Yeah. Thanks to Myri for taking the time. Something I really liked about both these interviews is the sense that 
the bookshops up in Edinburgh don't feel like they're in direct competition, but actually work with each other and they're there to kind of make the case for why books are great rather than profit being their kind of main motivator. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way independent bookselling should be. I think it's really great that they do the Edinburgh Book Fringe together as well, um, joining forces and their different readerships and getting everyone involved in the independent bookshop scene and also getting the local communities involved. That's it for today. If you have any questions or want to get in touch with us, you can find me on Twitter at Tarnamus. And Steph, where are you? I am at Steph X McKenna. And Rasheen, do you exist online? I do. It's at I'm Rasheen. Okay, and if you want to send any questions to the National Centre for Writing, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Writers Centre. Search for us on Facebook and sign up to our newsletter and find out about all our other opportunities over on the website at nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk. Please do rate, review and subscribe to the podcast because it helps other people find it. Thanks again for listening. Keep writing and we will catch you on the next episode where we're talking with Claire McGowan about her upcoming noirage crime writing workshop. <laughs>